I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And good morning. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. 1 Kings 21. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it's near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or, if it seem good to thee, I'll give thee the worth of it in money. Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. The passage we have before us here is one that introduces us to a man who refused to sell his farm. A man by the name of Naboth, whose name means fruit, lived in Jezreel. Naboth owned a vineyard that was situated beside the summer palace of King Ahab, who was king of Israel. Verse 2 tells us that Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard and offered to trade him a better vineyard or pay him cash for his land. Now, it seems like a reasonable offer on the surface. The king apparently was a gardener. He wanted this patch of ground because it was close to his palace to raise himself a vegetable garden. But Naboth refuses the king's offer. Today I want to look at Naboth's refusal. I want to talk about the reasons why Naboth said no to Ahab. And I want to talk about this passage because it has much to say about us and some folks in our world who would try to take away what we have been given by God. When they come to us with their plans and their ideas, we need to be able to say it's not for sale. First, I'd have you notice that Naboth's refusal came because of the word of God. The king's request seems very reasonable. He said, give me your field, and I'll give you one better, or I'll pay whatever you ask in cash. Now, Ahab had no limit of funds, nor did he have limit of, of land. Naboth, though, refused on the grounds that God said he could not sell the land. Now, God said exactly that 
in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 23 through 28, as well as Numbers 36 and verse 7. In fact, the Bible was clear that the king could not buy the inheritance of the people according to Ezekiel 46, verse 18. Naboth realized that what he possessed was not his to sell anyway. What he possessed was the gift of God, and he was merely a caretaker. Naboth was to keep the land in the family and pass it down from generation to generation. My friend, we need to take the inventory here of all the great gifts that God has given to us, specifically in the church, specifically in our families, specifically in our country. We should take the inventory of the great gifts that he has given to us. We should take inventory and thank him for the Bible, the plan of salvation, our worship, our biblical standards, our godly heritage. And we must remember that these things are not ours to do with as we please. We are merely custodians of these things that we enjoy. We are caretakers of those things that God has given to us, and we must pass them along to future generations. We have what we have because someone took care of it and handed it down, and we must do the same thing. Secondly, Naboth refused because of the will of the fathers. Now, Naboth's fathers had passed this inheritance down to him. One day he would enjoy them in passing that inheritance down to that next generation. If he sold the farm, there would be nothing to hand down. That other property would be given back to the original owner in the year of Jubilee, according to Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 13. Now, any land that Naboth bought would go back to the original family at Jubilee. If he sold what he had, Naboth would be left with nothing. His inheritance had been passed down by the will of the fathers for centuries. And he refused to sell what they had entrusted him to pass down to others. Thus, he said, it is not for sale. If we sell our inheritance, we have nothing to hand down to our children. Now, we must consider what we've been entrusted to guard and hand down. Salvation. People are preaching many plans of salvation, and easy believism rules the land. God knows but one plan of salvation, and that, my friend, is only found in the Word of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We must guard salvation, and we do so by proclaiming it. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
We must guard salvation, and we do so by proclaiming it. When they try to change the gospel, we say to them, it's not for sale. When someone tries to add anything or take away from the gospel, my friend, they're not preaching the gospel. Then I think about the word of God. Many are denying the word of God in this hour. But my friend, nothing has changed. The Bible is still the word of God. It is still powerful. It is still truth. It is still inerrant. It is still infallible. And my friend, it will forever be inspired. We guard it by reading it, by memorizing it, by living it out, by proclaiming it. We guard it by hiding it in our hearts. When we try to read the Word of God and study the Word of God, that's guarding it in our lives. When they try to take your Bible and change your Bible or offer you another book, tell them it is not for sale. Then there we have people who are trying to do away with the manner of separation. Churches and the people who make them up are in the business of lowering the walls of separation between themselves and the world. The common adage in our day is to, if we're going to win them, we've got to be like them. Well, the problem with that is twofold. Number one, you can't win them. That's his job. Number two, we're commanded to be separated from the world. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. The word separate means to mark oneself off from others by boundaries. It is the picture of building walls of separation between the church and the world. And my friend, we need those walls of separation in our deeds, our worship, our standards. We don't look like the world because we have been saved out of the world. Satan's tactics and bands does not nor ever will honor God. Why in the world would we ever lower the high standard of God to accommodate the shortcomings of sinful men? We guard our separation by staying separated. When they try to get you to be like them, you look them square in the eye and say it's not for sale. We've got men that don't know whether or not they're men or women who don't know if they're women or not. We've got a problem. We've got people that don't know which bathroom to use. We've got a problem. God help us. In this country, we have a heart problem. We have a sin problem. We have a Satan problem. He's the author of confusion. We've got people walking around thinking that they're cats and they're dogs. We've got people walking around who were born men and women who want to change their bodies to match what their delusional thinking is in their mind. 
Satan, my friend, is the author of confusion, and truth is only found in God. He is a source of truth. He is a source of hope. He's a source of healing, and he is a source of salvation. And if you ever want to get out of here alive, you better be born again. Let me say something here. July 4th is coming up very soon. My freedom is not for sale. Too much blood has been shed on the battlefields of the world for me not to stand up for my freedom and my faith and my family. We will never give up. We will never give out. And we will never give in. Because we are believers in Christ who happens to be Americans. And I am proud that God has used our country through the years. But I am not proud of what she has become. And when the devil's leftist crowd wants to come on the scene and say, we need to take away your rights and we need to take away your freedoms and we need to take away everything that you have, I'm going to look them square in the eyes and raise my shoulders and tell them it is not for sale. Thirdly, Naboth refused because of the worth of the king. When he says thee in the passage, it drips with sarcasm. Naboth is saying, you, king, you are not worthy to buy a my farm, my vineyard at any price because I've received it as an inheritance. It is not for sale. Those who would take what we have are not worthy to set a foot on our inheritance. We must not give them so much as an inch. For if we do, we will be left with nothing to pass to the next generation. What we have is worth more than pleasing the world, the flesh, or the devil. What we have is worth more than fitting in and being accepted. We must guard what we have at all cost. Nothing matters but your family. Nothing matters but your faith. Nothing matters but pleasing God. Nothing matters but honoring our veterans. Nothing matters but the liberty and the blessing that God has given to us in this great land. And it burns my soul to see the Satan, Satan's crowd 
tear apart every fiber of our nation and then confuse and mutilate the bodies and minds of our children. I say it has to stop. And by the authority of the word of God, it has to stop now. The church has been asleep too long. Too long we've allowed the king to come up and say, we'll trade you for what God has given to you. We'll give you what's better. We'll give you something better. There is nothing better than what God has given you. You better stand up for your family. Stand up for the word of God. We must guard what we have at all costs. Nothing matters but pleasing God, taking care of our family. And when they try to take what we have, we look them square in the eyes. We say with the same tenacity that our soldiers and veterans did and exhibited when they marched up the beaches of Normandy, knowing for a matter of fact they would never return. But they ran toward the fire, not away from it. We act with the same bravery that they exhibited because it is time to call everyone to action. The church has been silent too long. And God's word has never lost value. And our freedom has never been more precious than today. And God has never been so good to us as he has this generation. The world cannot, nor will they ever understand what we have in in love and in joy in Jesus Christ. We have liberty, we have freedom, we have peace, we have joy, and we have everything that God has promised to us. You say, what's the rest of the story here in the text? Well, the rest of the story is in verse 4, Ahab pouted. Ahab, the king, pouted because he couldn't get a piece of ground. What a pitiful excuse for a human being. Ahab pouts. Verses 5 through 10, Jezebel plots. In verses 11 through 14, Naboth perished. But in verses 15 through 29, God prevailed. There's always a price you pay when you stand on your principles. And the reason why we've lost much in our churches and the reason why we've lost much ground in our country and our freedoms is because every year fewer and fewer are willing to pay the price. 
Naboth paid the price. He stood his ground for the Lord. He stood his ground for his inheritance, which was passed down to the next generation. There is always a price to pay. I think about our forefathers. What the 57 signers of the Declaration of Independence, who were not wealthy men, they were willing to give everything they had for a new nation. And nearly every one of them did. What did not die by their own life being given for freedom because they dared sign this Declaration of Independence against the King of England. What didn't die, everything they had, including their family, was taken from them. Are you willing to take a stand? Are you willing to stand tall for what's right? Yes, there's always a cost. There always will be a cost for freedom. But my friend, too much blood has been shed for our freedom in this country. Too much blood has been shed for our freedom during the centuries of our existence. And too much blood has been shed to allow us to have the freedoms we enjoy. Too much blood. You have to ask yourself, who will stand? Who will stand? Who will stand? Will you stand? Will you stand in the gap, sir? Will you stand in the gap, ma'am? What about you, teenager? Are you willing to stand? Because if you are, it will have a cost. And the cost will be high. But the cause has never been so great than it is right now. Stand up for your children. What the next generation needs is the present generation to stand on principle, not money, not financial gain, not politics, not foolishness, not delusional thinking, not attributing to mental decay, but to keep the devil right in the square of the back and say, get out of my home. Get out of my land. Get out of my church. And get out of my country. What 
we need is some men and women and teenagers who will come before God, thank Him for their heritage, and determine that there are things in your life that you're thankful for, that you look in the eyes of whoever comes towards you and say, it is not for sale, not now, not ever. It is what I have. It is the blessings of God. And I will never, ever, ever, ever give it up because I belong to the king of the ages.